Yakuza 0, Fallout 4, S, Ship of Theseus, and an X-rated chicken pasty. This is staying in. Sorry if I'm a little groggy, by the way. Why? Um, Why are you groggy? Um, I've been trying to get back into Fallout 4. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, it's, and that's making you feel ill. Okay. Well, not ill. Groggy isn't ill. Groggy is just uh, kind of like a... Ugh. Mm. Like a bit like a morning after feeling, isn't it? I'd say groggy in- is like 0.2 on the Willington scale. But yeah, continue. Because <laughs> Fallout 4 was the game, for some reason, I decided, decided to distract myself from The Witcher 3 to play. Yeah. And then I went back and completed The Witcher 3. And since then, I haven't gone yeah. back to it until now. Yeah. So I booted it up. And uh, I spent twelve hours as a distraction on that game. That's not 12 bad. Twelve hours. That's not bad. It's twelve. And hours. I've not even I've not even started the main story <laughs> thread. Great. As well as part part of my character role, um, because um, even though it is kind of a prescriptive RPG, like I do try and roll, especially with Fallout Four. I do try and like see if I can bend it to mine will. Right. So I decided that my character Samuel didn't actually want to go and search for his for his lost son. Ah, um, okay. And felt very disenfranchised because basically it starts off with you basically getting dicked over, like you're told to go into the vault when the nuclear war happens, and then you um, witness a tragedy happening, and it's quite clear it's like a government force committing this tragedy. So as a former army soldier, which I think you are, I felt my the way I'm rolling it is that I feel, felt very disenfranchised from it. So I've just gone out on a limb and I'm not going to go, like, for me, going to find my son is, like, too much of, like, standing up to my old responsibility. So I've just been, like, dicking around in the wasteland for great. 12 hours. Great, uh, great. That's, <clears throat> that's certainly what I would do if there was uh, some sort of uh, terrible disaster like that. I don't actually know. I don't know. I said that without really thinking about it. Would I? I don't. I, I, I'd like to think I'd be a productive person. I'd, I'd like to think I'd be one of those people who gets killed. Like gets killed. <laughs> I get killed, but like I'm trying to do the. I'm trying to, but in the in. Like, I go out into the desert to forage for things, and unfortunately I get killed like halfway through. I'm clearly not the hero of the story. But, no, but, but you're the... You're the... You are the people... You you will form the umbrella of yeah. people when they say, yeah. lots of people died to get this information. Yeah, I'm in the group... Yeah, I'm in the group where we all get killed and there's a sad, like, slow-mo violin-accompanied moment where we're all getting gunned down. Like, yeah. I'm in that group. You're in that group. Yeah. The yeah. sacrificial yeah. group. Yeah. But it, but but the the problem that Fallout 4 has is that you can't like for all its freedom and for all for all of its RPG elements, like you're really funneled down a certain path of of you know of where they want you to go. Mm. There's this there's this great illusion to freedom because you start off with and you meet this guy called you meet this guy called Garvey or something like that. I can't remember. It was twelve. It was twelve hours and a lifetime ago, <laughs> and he's like, um, "Oh, we really want you to um, build this settlement. Are you up for it?" And I was like, 
I just found out my son's my wife's been murdered. My son's not around anymore. I've, I've got to go and find him. Do you know how horrible it is out there? And you want me to like build a water purifier and plant some <laughs> carrots? So I was just like, no, fuck off. Yeah. And he's and instead of having some sort of thing built in for that response, he's like, ah, oh, yeah, well, I understand. Just come back when you're ready. Brilliant, brilliant. That is that is the like the hand of the designer. So, like that is so video game narrative speak for yeah, yeah. We want you to do this, so uh, there's not really any choice. Like you will do this, <laughs> uh, yeah. And like and and you know you can't make friends with any of the raiders. Like you can make alliances throughout the game, but there's never any option to like just sit down with a raider and have a conversation. Right. They're always like raiders shoot first confrontations with right, them. Right, they right. are a an enemy in the wasteland rather than And that would that would kind of make sense, but also surely it would also make sense that some of them wouldn't shoot first and be interested in trading and Yeah. Like but, you know, it's it's still a great it's still it's still a great game. But oh. but after The Witcher it's you do see some of the weakness in in that writing definitely but is that because as far as i can understand it the witcher doesn't really have many of those come back later moments it's a oh all right cool well the, yeah and the, and the witcher is you're already playing a defined character you are you know you can't you can't really decide how to roll with Geralt. well you can kind of make him a, ba- a bit of a bastard and you can and you, and you definitely have choices but the idea in Fallout is you're creating your own guy. You give you give them their face, and you give them their their sort of attitude within this place. But right. still, there's not. You've basically got like four dialogue choices, um, which is kind of like no, yes, indifferent, and sarcastic. Um, <clears throat> so, so unlike The Witcher, where even though you don't have as much definition. You can still, when you say no to someone, those that has a dramatic impact into what's happening in the story, hmm. because they'll either go, "Oh, all right, well, wasn't expecting that." Hmm. Yeah. And even if they do, and even if they do say, "All right, we'll come back when you're ready," sometimes this is what happened to me in The Witcher. I came back and it was too late. Brilliant. Brilliant. It, you know, it, the the story had resolved itself, and I'd come. I I basically just come back too late. Perfect. And which is which is kind of what you want. But that is role playing, and it and, and it feels a yeah. lot more. It feels a lot more like you're in that space, and it, what your decisions are actually matter to that space. Like I, I always feel really. I always feel really let down when I make a big decision in a game and it's not really reflected in the world. So I actually found it really interesting in um, uh, Fable 2, and I played this years ago, but in Fable 2, when you make a decision like... Like, if you're mean, if you're just a horrible person, 
the mm-hmm. you you are seen as evil or a kind of evil. There's actually kind of different types of evil. Like you might be slightly well, more chaotic or or just pure evil. Or, or um, so the people react to you when you're like going about. Yeah, so people will actually say to you like, "Oh no, I I don't I don't want to trade with you and stuff like that." I, I even think that some people will refuse to trade with you, and some people will like lower and raise their prices. So if you're if you're a really great amazing hero some of them will treat you a lot better and some of them just won't talk to you because you're just a do-gooder. Um so I, I that is really interesting whereas in some of these more I think I think the Bethesda games generally have a little bit too much of this. Uh those games you can run around and be a colossal dickhead to everybody but as long as no one sees you like as long or as long as as long as you survive the fights with the guards that turn up, you pretty much get away with doing anything. It doesn't really have a major ramification on how the actual game flows, um, which I always thought was a little bit odd, you know? Mm. Um, and it's it's as big a deal as that, like, are, are you good or are you bad? All the way to, like, if, I, if, if I'm wandering, if I'm skulking around the streets doing stealth but being seen all of the time, then I would kind of expect the villagers to lock their doors more at night because clearly somebody is tr- pretending like they're this incredible thief but being seen all the time. So clearly there's some idiot around me. Yeah. And so surely they would then want to make it more difficult to break into their houses. But again, that doesn't really happen either. Um, that's interesting. That's really interesting that you're at that at that point do you think you'll continue with Fallout 4 yeah yeah I think I think I will I think I'm getting to the point now where I and this is the other thing about it is that I kind of need to start pushing the narrative on because I'm at level 13 which I think is quite good for about 13 hours in that I am at okay. and considering I've not done any of the main story missions I've not even gone to Diamond City which I think is like the first thing you're meant to do and I'm coming up against a bit of a brick wall with you know, sidelines and where I'm getting sidetracked in the game. So I'm thinking that if I start doing some of the the mission stuff, which will obviously be graded at a certain level, mm. and this was another great thing about Witcher 3, whenever you picked up a quest, it gave you the recommended level. Cool. So you knew immediately going into it whether it was too easy yeah. and therefore you got less XP from it. mm or it's, you know, just at that level, you know, you're at level 27 and it's at level 29. You're just like, well, yeah, I can, I can, I can do this. I can do this for a bit of an XP boost. Yeah. Whereas here, like I just endlessly find myself going into, in Fallout 4, I endlessly find myself going into confrontations. That I don't know whether I've got a chance of making it out the other side. Yep. Which is, which in terms of game design is a little bit infuriating because there's there's no one there to help you or to assist you so if i go into this confrontation or i start following the story thread am i just going to come up against a brick wall because it's far beyond my scope as a character not necessarily as a player yeah so i, f- I figure that i've got to start doing some of the main story stuff to try and get myself exposed to maybe some of the better weapons and the better kit and the gear mm. just so I can then make progress in other areas of the game. Again, again, like, and I don't want to rag on like um, uh, Skyrim because I thought Skyrim was really, really, I certainly enjoyed my, my time with it, um, ended up completing it. But I 
did find myself on more than one occasion getting halfway through a dungeon, running up against a mid boss, and there just being no way for them to, for me to defeat them. So then me turning turning on my tail and walking back out the door again to go yeah. and grind yeah, for yeah, another yeah. two hours, and it was like, ah, oh, this this is really poor, especially considering that game, and, and I believe Fallout has this as well like a partner system Skyrim certainly certainly does um, yeah it does yeah. where it would be so I don't want to say easy but it would be so obvious a design to literally just have your partner say I don't think we can do this like let's yeah, let's go off exactly. and do something else first um, and, and again that doesn't that doesn't break that narrative it doesn't take you out of the world it just it just is a nice friendly reminder to the player of like yeah this is still an rpg with rpg systems where you do need to you know match numbers with the the kind of levels yeah. of enemies that you which it gets away with the numbering system uh partly because generally the story is told to you from the um viewpoint of the bard in the game right so it's almost like this is a tale that's already happened and so therefore you can kind of justify how like quests would already be numbered and you wouldn't be encouraged to go to, on a quest that would ultimately lead you to die because then that wouldn't be part of a cohesive story that this bard is yeah. telling. So that kind of makes sense. And, it, yeah. and it's just part of, yeah. you know, it just feels... make And because you're going on quests that you can actually complete, it makes you feel more part of the world because you're not just turntailing and running away from from stuff all the time. I tell you what, it is a real shame that Dan isn't here because I know, I know, you know, since we last, since we, well, of course I do, since we last met a game that I know he's been really excited for for a year and a half now came out. And I've been playing it, and I've just been wanting to catch up with Dan over this so much. Is it Neo? No, it's Yakuza Zero. Um, and uh, uh-huh. okay. <laughs> uh, so uh, I don't know why you choked there, Sam. Uh, so the <laughs> so basically, uh, I've been obviously bullying him a little bit about he should totally get into Yakuza and and uh, and because it, it's basically Shenmue, you know. And um, that was certainly my impression of it when I played Yakuza. Uh, Three on the PlayStation Three. So this is a kind of a um, so so it appears that they are bringing all the Yakuza's to the new generation, and this is like a introduction to those who may not have played Yakuza before. It does act as that, yes. So it's Yakuza Zero, as the name sort of suggests, I guess, is set before the events of the original Yakuza. So and it and it is also fairly newbie. Uh, centered so um, the game is described the game was described by one local game employee as it's like Streets of Rage from Japan Um, it's not quite (laughs) that Um, so it it is if you've played Shenmue then it is kind of like that or Way of the Samurai which is a really excellent game in fact um, yeah like Way of the Samurai is um, a really nice open, open world kind of Game that and it takes some of those elements, I suppose. Um, it's a game where you play um, a a a main character who is who is a new member of the Yakuza, and he the game starts off by basically you collect a debt. So you're very very low level footman kind of Yakuza, um, and you start off by basically beating this guy up uh, who owes some money. 
that's where the start of this story is and it's also crucial to every other part of the story because and i must admit i'm only four or five hours into it now but um what you do there is a massive impact on things that happen later um okay so the but this is is this like an open world yeah to some extent to some extent so it's like it's a third person game you wander around real streets of japan this is set in the 80s so the series has always been really focused on showing a place as it really is. So if you play Yakuza 4 and wander around Akihabara, or one of the other... uh, I believe you can wander around Akihabara, but the location's there. It's set in modern times, and they actually went and took photos and tried to recreate it as best as they possibly could. Um, So this is set in the 80s uh, in Tokyo, Um, and everything is very 80s. It isn't that Western 80s of, you know, Wham! and Aha! and... uh, and, uh, Never gonna that sort of thing. Um, Go on. Oh, I wanted that to continue. Your your pop culture references are terrible at the best of times. Let alone three decades ago. Okay, here we go. Let's no. Let's keep going. Uh, and uh, uh, the cartoon mask uh, and uh, <laughs> the A team uh, and uh, the film Predator. Yeah, I'll let you have that one. All right. Okay. So um, the main thing that you're doing is talking with people, exploring the environment, and I, I, I mean exploring, not climbing around or anything like that. It's not Uncharted in that way. But wandering around and talking to people and then fighting, hand-to-hand fighting. Um, so it's very Shenmue in that way. Like, that is Shenmue, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the best thing about it is that it straddles this wonderfully chaotic line between very very serious hard-boiled Japanese Yakuza fiction of here is how the family operates here is what honour means cut your finger off because you've betrayed us uh, you know plotting and uh, scheming and betrayal and all this sort of stuff between that and let's all go down the arcade and play on OutRun and let's jump through a window into a men's toilets, see the baddies holding their dicks in front of the urinals, beat the living shit out of them, uh, grab them by the back of the head and smash them into the toilets. Uh, like, uh, a a man called uh, Mr. Uh, Holdup or Mr. Stick'em Up or Mr. H- something along those lines. Basically, this massive guy who's like eight feet tall and basically just steals all of your money he's just this huge boss like character who looks preposterous who just comes after you every once in a while um and winning and this is this is classic you might have seen this gif uh, this gif uh, wandering around the internet um there's a bit where so you can go bowling right you can do like i i you can do all sorts of amazing activities i had this incredible moment where i was chucked out of the yakuza like you know i was massively dishonored by doing all this sort of stuff and i was getting embroiled in this really difficult um uh, intriguing plot and not 2 minutes later i was playing a parappa the rapper style mini game in which i was singing karaoke to a selection of wonderful japanese pop hits from the 80s um like the swing is so hard um, but really welcoming because you get this really it's this really nice up and down of oh I'm really really invested what what is the character going to do next oh, I can't believe that that person did that and bah, bah, 
ba, 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 ba. <laughs> um, so so you know I, I've gone bowling and that kind of thing, but the, uh, and, and and you can go and, and do a proper game of bowling. And does it feel does but does that feel as trite and as it does in Grand Theft Auto Five? No, no, not at all, not at all, because it is it is whereas Grand Theft Auto is constantly doing this. This we're pastiching everything. And isn't this stupid and funny? And haha, Scarface was like, Scarface was cool, right? Uh, Yakuza is like, this is what this is what this organization is like, and it is really hard boiled and horrible and nasty. And we are playing this straight. So, so it's a genuine swing because really, it's it's not one form of comedy into another form of comedy. It's mm-hmm. really, really serious into very funny. But yeah, so anyway, I so you can go bowling, right? Go there's a GIF floating about the internet where if you get a turkey in the game, which is you get three strikes in a row, you get called over to the uh, to the to the to the counter where they they hand out the the, the shoe balls and the shoes and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and um. And they said, "Oh, you got a turkey! Congratulations! You get, you get our prize, a turkey!" Uh, and like the characters, characters are like, "Ah, oh, brilliant! I can't wait. I, this is going to be absolutely fantastic. I'm going to have this absolutely delicious roasted turkey." And it's like, <laughs> and it's like this, this completely set on this guy's really serious face. And then it immediately cuts back to the desk, and there's a live chicken just stood on the desk, looking at you, going. And like, and you're like, right. And then you proceed to have a two-minute conversation where there's been this weird mix-up where they ordered a load of turkeys, but they got ordered, they got delivered like a bunch of live chickens, so they could kill the chicken for you and go and cook it. And then the main character goes, no, don't worry about it. I'll use this person to run one of my businesses. So you can then then place. You've got there's a business management section, and you can have this chicken run one of your businesses. Sam, Fantastic. Sam, it's amazing. Like, like, it's incredible. So, and so you do all the bowling stuff, do all that, and as I say, I, I mentioned it earlier. Go and play Outrun in the arcades. It has full arcade games in the game. Like, you can go and play arcade Outrun for hours. You can go and play Space Harrier, although I don't know why you would because Space Harrier is awful. But you could do that. You can play Super Hang On. There's a bunch of other games in there as well. Um. Like I say, I'm like four or five hours in, and I have not laughed this hard at a game since, and you're going to like this, since 50 Cent Blood on the Sand. Like, it is that, it is that self-serious, damn it, shit, bang, 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 kind of um, trying to not tell a serious story, but isn't this cool, guys? Yeah, 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 realising that it actually is quite... Fun. Like yeah, uh, yeah, and that is really fun and, and cool in in and of itself. You know, to that hard swing of Fifty Cent driving over every single ramp, ex- which explodes, and it always explodes. You know, have it and and having a button that is dedicated to swearing. You know, like it is such a hard move from this from from one thing to another, and it really is funny. It's just. It's a really well-told Yakuza story with an incredible sense of humour at the same time, um, and it is a really good place to start if you've if you've not played any of those. You don't need to know anything else about the Yakuza games. It's just like, all right, cool. Here's a self-contained story that kind of gets you into it. I don't know how they're gonna, I don't know how they're gonna do that for because the next game is Yakuza Six, 
and I don't know how on earth they're going to go from that to that. Um, but yeah, it's um, oh, I think you'll I think you'll really like it. I'm going to keep playing it, and then I'll, I think I'll probably send it your way because I think you'll really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, that d- definitely sounds like something that would be up my street. How's it affecting your time with Final Fantasy 15? Dude, I have not played any Final Fantasy 15. It's it's a really good game that I've been playing, and I really do enjoy it. But it's 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 one of those games where I guess it feels a little bit like what you were feeling with The Witcher. Like Final yeah. Fantasy, it's so obviously massive, so yes. obviously massive, and it's really daunting. So I so I decided to pick up Yakuza and and play a little bit of that and and, and wait to get into that um, into Final Fantasy. I do intend to, t- to go back to it because it is really enjoyable. It's just the two of us hello. today. Yeah, hello. Do you know that? Yeah. It's, Unless uh, anyone else realised. Yeah. <laughs> Someone else has just been yeah. like listening in. Chris is just quiet. Just like, Chris, <laughs> like, Dan's going to turn up at some point. I know yeah, it. It's just like, um, it, is, it is just the two of us. Yeah, I know. Have, yeah. have I ever t- told you my story um, involving a a Japanese man singing the Bill Withers classic, Just the Two of Us in France? No. Okay. Brilliant. Here we go. I mean, I know the rough outline of it now, but go on. <laughs> that was just that was just to tease you in. Okay. So, um, a few years ago, about seven or eight, I cycled from Cherbourg to Le Havre in France, mm-hmm. which is just across northern France, about mm-hmm. two hundred fifty miles. And um, we were doing it quite leisurely, so we you know you'd cycle during the day, then in the evening go out, have some beers, and have something nice to eat and none of us were particularly like fit it wasn't this wasn't about fitness it was uh, mainly about um cycling across the uh, d-day invasion beaches mm. and um seeing another a few other sites involved with world war Two. but just kind of like you know at the end of the day we'd be like well you know let's fully relax let's have drinks and yeah. you know not like rest and recuperate get the protein on <laughs> um none of that and one night we stopped off at this lovely, sleepy little town. And and if you... Getting getting to know a place and getting to see a place, there's nothing better than going on bike because, mm. you know, you enter towns from a wonderful perspective and you're able just to, like, cycle around and get your bearings rather than being driven in or yeah. um, getting a train in or something like that. You really get a, a lovely perspective of places. And we came to this really nice um, uh, town and we'd just been out and had a few drinks and we were with um uh two dads. They were dads of people that we were with. They weren't just, you know, just take a couple of dads along, rent a dad. Just no. find some dads. Yeah. <laughs> and they and they'd gone they'd gone back to the hostel and gone to bed and, and we were kinda of like, Well, we're still up for another one, so let's go and find a place. And we heard and we heard this music coming from this little French French alleyway. Yeah. This little like cobbled street in this French town. And we found this really dinky little pub and we kind of went in th- through the door and there was one guy singing karaoke on his own in this little tiny French pub. Do you mean, do you mean it was just, he wasn't with friends? He wasn't. He didn't appear to be friends. I think there was a couple of other people in there drinking, but they obviously were like, they were sitting having their own conversation at this like round little table. And we we kind of walked in and thought that's a bit odd. 
and there was this little white dog on the table on like the the seat as well and we went to the bar and we got speaking to the to the bar lady and she said oh yeah that's that's my husband and he really likes karaoke <laughs> and we walked into this room to this to see this tiny japanese guy just singing song after song yes. after song and he like this isn't racist <laughs> right okay okay but his interpretations of some songs right did yeah, lead in, in the same in in exactly the same way that if i were to try and sing a french song yes. i would absolutely miss most of it because it's yeah. not my language and, and the thing is is that nobody in there was mocking him we were all in in like we were all just imbued with this wonderful yeah. joy that he had. Yeah. Like singing the he's obviously whether he'd come from Japan and always liked karaoke and just thought, now I own a bar and this is a wonderful chance for me to just like put on my own karaoke or whatever. But he, he obviously absolutely loved it. And he started singing Bill Withers, just the two of us. Which is an incredible song on its own. But <laughs> He pronounced it just the tuna bus. Brilliant. Perfect. And uh, the end of the the chorus. And the end of the chorus goes, you and I. (laughs) But for some reason, he said, you and me. No, (laughs) me and I. No, he said, me and I. At the end of the song. (laughs) Oh, but he's, but he is living his best life. But he was, the fact is, it's just like, it was not, no way were we mocking him at all. It's just no, this no, like no. wonderful, but, bizarre, surreal experience of this man just. But like, that's the thing. Some people buy pubs because they want a they want a place to put a snooker table, right? Some people some people run like they they want to like you know they want that thing of they get to about forty five and they're like I'm going to buy a pub and stand behind the bar and clean glasses and play the old role like game of pool. Clearly, this guy was like I'm going to buy a pub with my partner. And I'm going to buy a karaoke machine. And she will have known. She will have known from the very beginning why why they were getting into the hospitality business. Like, that is brilliant. Oh, man. Do you want to hear a story of mine? Well, it's not my story. Do you want to hear a story? Well, yeah. So it's not your story, but it is just a story. It's a story that got sent into us. Sent in to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, so okay, we like a magazine radio. Yeah, show now we're a magazine radio show. Yeah, we don't uh, even have to create our own content. Just like send your stories along to send, stories send, at stayingin.com. Send, don't do that because we don't. <laughs> do we? I don't think we have stayingin.com. In fact, what uh, is stayingin.com? Hold on. Have a look. Oh my word! Go on. What a weird website. Oh, oh my god! What have you just? What is the? It's just. Shall I have a look? Hang on. Yeah. Hang on. Go to it. Hang on. Stayingin.com. Are you staying in? It's just. It's just a grey background with the black, black writing that says, "Are you staying in?" Have we? Am I going to get hacked? No, I don't know. I think I've, I think we might be hacked now. How strange. Okay. Anyway, stayingin.co.uk is for sale. All right, we'll have to buy that at some point. Yeah, okay. um, so, uh, yeah, it's not that. Um, no, so 
we tweet and stuff, and obviously we're on at staying in pod, uh, and uh, we're all on Twitter and stuff. You can see it in the show notes and so on. But a uh, friend of the show, uh, Alex Gold ninety five on Twitter, uh, sent <laughs> sent to me what I think is basically the best piece of journalism of the last twenty years. Um, so it's from a very reputable paper over here in the UK called Sunday Sport. Okay. Right. Yes, I, I have heard of that. Yeah. Um, and so these are people who, I mean, they can't make this stuff up. I mean, obviously, I mean, they can and they have. Uh, yes. But uh, the the headline, and it very much is a headline, uh, is, and I, th- I really do feel like we need to discuss this, Sam. I, I'm ready. <clears throat> Sex with Greg's pasty boiled yes. my bell end. <laughs> uh, now, Howard Fumes, I'm going to sue. So this is the story about uh, a man called Howard, who uh, who's described as an oddball in uh, Sunday Sport. Um, Howard Russell, in fact, is his name. Um, so he's 32 years old, and yes. uh, he's, a, he's a sales manager, apparently, for some company, I don't know. Uh, but uh, according to this thing, he developed a sexual fetish for having sex with piping hot pasties. Alas, alas, unwed Howard something there from the Sunday Sport, a little bit of editorialising. Uh, unwed Howard came to a sticky end. A sticky and terribly blistered bell end. Uh, <laughs> last Saturday, after stocking up with chicken uh, bakes, he scuttled back to his terraced home in Northwich, Cheshire, for an afternoon, afternoon of bakery-based fornication. But finding that his purchases had cooled on the walk home, Howard blasted one of the bakes in the microwave before slipping in his wrecked member into the creamy white sauce interior. It was then he realised, dash, far, far too late, uh, that the microwaving process had raised the temperature of the sauce to something like that of an Icelandic volcano. Um... So, so, so he wants to sue, even though he was responsible for reheating the so, pasty. Yeah. So his basically his thing is. Um, so he said that you know I've been into the Greggs many, many times, and I yes. have never seen a sign warning you to not put your penis into one of their products, especially after it has been reheated. Now he's got a point there. If you go into a Greggs, and I don't know if they have Greggs across the world, but if you go into a Greggs. Um, it doesn't say, please don't have sex with our chicken bakes, uh, and certainly don't do it if you reheat it in the microwave afterwards. So he has got a point there. Um, that being said, I mean, I mean, the, does one have to be so dissatisfied with sex? Well, to, let's, Sam, let's I, no, let's play devil's you, advocate here. Let's play devil's advocate here. I, I don't want to speak for you, but I've never had sex with a chicken bake pasty. And I've never had sex. And... <laughs> w- this is a difficult thing to... I don't know how I don't know how open I want to be on this podcast, but... Okay, go on. I've never... I've never placed myself into a pasty. <laughs> God, with Dan and Chris away, this is all get a bit X-rated. The, um, I but I guess, I guess the, the thing for me is... The thing for me is, I've never thought to myself, like I've never thought to my, had the conscious thought to myself of that chicken bake. That looks like something I. I know that will make it. Yeah, like I'd like to woo that. Do you know what I mean? I've never, I've never had, I've never put those two things together. Do you know what I mean? You know, I. 
I've looked at, I've looked at, you know, uh, I can visually make, I can visually understand why people um, make the distinction when, when, they, when you look at a somebody holding a pair of literal plums. I can literally see why people would go, oh, there's a connection there, even though there really isn't. But I can see why somebody would go, there's some sort of strange connection there between one thing and one piece of fruit and another. Um, and uh, like, but. I've never made the connection of oh this this horrible acrid tasting fake chicken uh white saucy stuff that looks like something that I would like to to do a kiss on imagine the mess at the end I know because those things don't have much of a constitution to start with no they fall apart in the bag L- let alone once you start thrusting something in and out of it oh god i just oh Howard. I've been working on my uh, resolution for the year. My yes. resolutions for the year. Um, because I've kind of like um, decided to kind of like meld them into something. I think I finally nailed them down what I'm actually what my resolutions for the year year are slash is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I'm going Im- to I'm going to embrace more of the physical. And by that, I don't mean (laughs) more Greg's pasties. (laughs) I mean, like, um, well, at the end of the last year, I was like watching a lot of stuff on like Netflix and I was reading a lot of books on my Kindle and, you know, doing that kind of stuff. And I've Mm. actually made a conscious effort since the year started, the new year. Mm. to actually read more stuff like from a paperback in my hand and go to the cinema and watch a film um rather than just like watching it at home um and it's been good i've got one book on my kindle mm-hmm. i'm reading the uh the dark tower series mm. so that's like my nighttime book for when all the lights are out nice i can just me and my kindle lamp nice um, and we can um, speak to each other. Yeah. But other than that, I've been making a conscious effort to actually like have as many sort of, and it just sounds really wrong, doesn't it? Physical experiences I can. But okay, I guess you know what I mean. Like, I took a bit of umbrage with what Dan said on the previous podcast about like not going to the cinema and being happy watching stuff at home. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I agree with him that in terms of picking a movie to go and see it's tricky because of the price of going to see a movie Mm -hmm. but for me the cinema is more than seeing something bigger or you know just oh it's a blockbuster so it's better on a bigger screen i think there's more to cinema than that and this year that's something i definitely want to embrace a bit more Mm -hmm. because i watched ex machina the other day right i watched the first hour of it in bed I watched a second. I watched another half hour of it downstairs eating a sandwich during my lunch, and I watched the last half hour of it at work eating my tea in the canteen. Now I'm pretty sure when Alex Garland made that movie, he thought that's exactly how I want people to watch it: three different screens <laughs> spread across <laughs> twelve hours. Yeah. Um. And so, I definitely. This year, that's definitely one thing I want to, 
like because because for me like going to the cinema is it's not about just seeing something on a big screen it's taking yourself away from those from distraction and it's taking yourself away from um like being at home and it's making like cinema an event yeah and for me even seeing a film that i don't particularly enjoy i enjoy that process more seeing at the cinema than i would do at home because we went yeah. to go and see la 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 land the other day right and um <clears throat> And we chose to go and see it at the cinema because that's where it is. Um, and because of the price of it, we make it an event. Oh, let's go out. Let's get people together. Mm. You know, not just me and my partner. Let's see who else is interested. Let's make it an event rather than a, well, we've got to spend 15 quid going to see this film. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and because of that, even though I didn't enjoy it, because I was there with people and with friends... I love I love that silence when you go and see a cinema when the film's over and you walk down the steps and no one says a word to each other until you like close the doors behind you and then suddenly you, you erupt in this criticism and yep. um opinion about the film. And that's what I really enjoy and I think that kind of physical um relationship to a product is something I really want to embrace this year. Like mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that cinema really lends itself to the actual art of film rather than just sitting back and watching it at your home. And so I've... How do you do that with other things? So um, I think that, um, as I said, like I read a lot of stuff on my Kindle, but now I'm like just picking up books a lot more. Right. And so, and for me, because my Kindle, I can just sit in bed and read it without the light on. Mm. My, my attitude to it at the end of the year certainly was... If I got some spare time in my hands, I wasn't necessarily reading because I'd be like, well, I'll do that tonight when I'm in bed. Yeah. Whereas now, I'm making more of a conscious effort to actually engage with a product. So I'm just like, well, I'll read. Because, mm. you know, in order to put a book, I've got to sit somewhere nice and comfortable and, you know, make it make it nice. And um, I read a book that I've been trying to read for about four years that Chris got me. Right. Um for my birthday it's a book called S and uh, it was conceived by J.J. Abrams and written by Doug Dorst what's it about? it's um, (laughs) it's the right if you were to buy S you get a cardboard sleeve that says S on the front Inside that cardboard sleeve, you get a book called The Ship of Theseus by a writer called V.M. Stracker. Mm-hmm. And um, th- that book is uh, is a work of fiction, but inside the world of S, it's a book that actually exists. Does that make sense? Uh, right yeah okay so it's a meta text so doug dorse so doug dorse has written this has created this book fictional author but there's a mystery behind this author no one knows who they were but they were seemingly part of a uh, a revolutionary group a group that acted um on behalf of trying to crush oppressive an oppressive regime an oppressive sort of dictator yeah so within the liner notes within the margins of this book the ship of theseus there's 
two people are having a conversation in the modern day. So the book is made to look like a library book in the United States. And so basically what these two characters are doing are, over a determined period of time, picking up the book every day and writing messages to each other and then putting the book back on the shelf in the library and then picking it up and writing messages to each other. So whilst you've got this book, The Ship of Theseus, you've also got within the margins a conversation happening between two people split over different timescales. And these two people are using the text to try and decipher the secret of who this writer was, VM Straker. And it's and within the book as well, they like hide like notes to each other and postcards that they're sending to each other if they go on trips and uh, maps that they're writing and newspaper articles and all the stuff is like shoved within this within this wonderful, wonderful book. Mm. And it took me ages to kind of read. I stopped like I started reading it three times and it's only on this fourth occasion that I've actually kind of committed to it and read it because you've kind of got to split your mind. You've got to do a bit of a King Killer Chronicles kind of thing, which is a reference that you won't get. No, I've no but, idea what you're saying. Um, but you kind of got to... In King Killer Chronicles, in order to perform magic, you've got to split your mind to perform sympathy. Okay. So, um, and so you've got to kind of split your mind and like read the what's happening in the novel and then also at the same time keep up with what's happening in the within the conversation between these two people and then refer it back to the novel so there's right. like this circular connection between what's happening in the novel and what's happening to the people and what's happening to the people reflecting back into what's happening to the novel and it's a fantastic like really interesting piece of work i mean the novel itself is superbly written and re- like as a book i would sit down and read that let alone have yeah. this mystery put on top of it and because it's a piece of work by jj abrams people have gone deep with this there are mm. blogs there are secret messages there are um, radio broadcasts that are available there are secret images like doug dorse and jj abrams have leaked there are multiple strands that people have gone down and followed, like proper like lost levels sort of Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um deep diving that people have gone into into this book. Um I don't I don't know if I'll be up for any of that. I think I would I would like to read it again mm-hmm. because I think on second reading I'll be a bit more with hindsight, be a bit able to place the conversation because the conversations don't necessarily happen in in timeline, in consequential order. Right, they they do jump around quite a bit and uh, get in the way of each other, but um, oh, it's just fantastic. And as a, and as a reading experience, like if I tried to read that on the Kindle or whatever, it would just be completely lost. But because I had like this this thing in my hand that was kind of felt almost fragile, because if I if I tipped it up in a certain way, all these pages would fall out, and it really felt like I was sort of party to this conversation between these two people um it's really good and it's like a a narrative thing that i've not really been part of before Hmm. and at the same time i was reading that i was also playing um stories path of destinies 
Path of oh. the Destinies. Okay. Which is a um, a game that I got free on PS Plus. And I was kind of a bit in a, in a funk. And I was kind of like downloading stuff from PS Plus. Um, like I downloaded the Swindle, didn't really get along with it, and Skulls of the Shogun. And I started playing um, Stories. And I think me and you were about to play online and I was just like kicking around on it. And <clears throat> I remember saying to you that it was like quite a bland game. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think the combat was really was really impressive. It's kind of sluggish and slow. And really you play this red fox called Ronaldo or something like that. Reynard, that's it. And just playing a simple story, trying to save the world, um, rescue a girlfriend, making some sort of what appeared to be very binary choices and that was it, the end of the game. And I carried on playing it when we'd stopped playing and something really interesting happened. That my character got killed. Hmm. And then the story rewound itself and started exactly from the same place at the beginning again. And it's got this Bastion-esque narrator um, speaking through the whole thing and said, maybe now Renard will make different choices about where to go. Hmm. And the whole game just started over again and made different choices, ended up going down different pathways, got a different ending still died and then went back to the beginning again. And the whole idea of the game is that you've got to try and find four truths within the story. So there's four truths that exist in all the stories, which will lead you to the correct path by knowing these truths, by knowing that certain people are traitors and certain people love you secretly and certain things act in a certain way. And that is a truth. You will eventually be able to find yourself to the actual correct path. And that was, like, again, with S, like, two really interesting ways of using narrative and using and and telling a story Hmm. that I just never come across across before. And if you've got stories, I'd really recommend, like, a playthrough. Is that that recent? I don't don't have it on my my queue list. You might, you might not have, you might have missed it. It was, it was, it was definitely a couple of months ago, but mm. it's just got one of these really odd, like bland titles, like the adventurer stories of adventure. And just yeah. like, like, I don't, I don't, you know, if no one, if anyone skipped over it in PS plus, I really don't blame them because it does. And the, and the first 20, 30 minutes are really quite slow and bland. Mm. But once that twist kicks in about the stories and how the actual game functions and works, like that's really interesting. That was Staying In with Sam Turner and Peter Willington. Thanks for listening and please make sure you subscribe so you can get all the latest episodes as soon as they are available. We're on Stitcher, Acast, iTunes and pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast. If you can't find us, please let us know and we'll send Pete out into the wilderness to get it fixed. And if you want to help the show, the absolute best thing you can do is head over to iTunes and leave us a review. We don't do any marketing for the show, so this is the best way to let other people know who we are and what we do. So until next time... Thanks for listening.